pointing out as soon as we, it flips back to us and say, oh, I was just there. I was just, well, we'll I think that's actually out. still part of it. I Is think it? all of that's part of it, but mm. maybe not. That could be the Rocky Mountains. That one could be a little different. Well, well there yeah. are a couple shots. There's where a lot from, of Alps. Yeah, yeah, yeah creep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not I totally stalking. I am always so surprised how much is on the internet there you go. that I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so many things that you now know about me. I remember in like college Googling myself and I was like, that's my MySpace fi- picture from like 2005. Let's get rid of that somewhere. Delete. Oh my gosh, I was just there. That's the spot? That's where, the spot. Where were you standing at oh, in here? Oh, gotta be like, oh, I gotta take this with me. Right there. Okay. But I think I also ate food there. Nice so you carb load on pasta there yes. and then hike the Dolomites. Yes. Uh-huh. That would make sense. Well, and of course the day we were there, it was like foggy. And I have a video of like the picture of like, this is what it should look like. And then I scan over and you can only see like the bottom half of all the tips because there's just all this fog, but still breathtaking. So 10 out of 10, suggest the Dolomites. I'm going to just move there. That's I good. Can. No, I mean, I've been at Italy several times, both for work and personal, but I've never... No. Okay, scratch. Chris, you can edit that part out. Sorry, I got to keep it. My point was, I've never been to that section of the country. It's uh, like, and that's very common for everybody who goes to Italy. Because it's just like far enough that unless you're going just there, it's kind of hard to get to. Okay. And, but at the same time, it is 100% worth it. Like we will go back just for the Dolomites and you could spend easily two weeks there because there's okay. all these little towns and there's like six sections of the Italian Dolomites like National World I'm going to butcher it but it's like the UNCESO like United Nations yep. yeah yeah um, there's like six parts of that park so you okay. could like go to each different park and spend all day at each one it's okay. so cool that's cool um, we should go back for the Winter Olympics Yes. Well, and that's what's, when we were there, what was really cool is a lot of the uh, little towns had like winter Olympic signs and things like that. Yeah. And like, cause they're going to have it in Milan. They're going to have it in Cortina. They're going to have it everywhere. So I was like, oh, it's cool that we got to go here before like, it's going to be wild. Mass chaos. Yeah. 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 That would be cool. I've never been to an Olympics now. I've not been there, so. It just makes just sense. Double, double up. up. Yeah. yeah. There we go. It's and we'll perfect. do some, another episode there. Yeah. There we go. Well, you could, you could definitely get some sort of cancer fitness exercise Olympics. There's, It's all well, right there. I'm sure there's plenty of Olympians who yeah. have a cancer-related story yeah. if they're not a survivor themselves. And now an Olympic athlete, that would be a great story to yeah, tell. Right? Great. We'll so find We just need Celsius and smart water to step <laughs> up and, and sponsor us. and yeah, sp- Sponsor our trip. Yeah. We'll yeah. take it. We can do it. Please? We can yeah. do it. That's awesome. All right. Cool. So it was a good trip. I take it. It was a blast. It was an absolute blast. How long were you there again? So we were in Italy for 10 days, 12 days total, two days of traveling. Um, I went to Rome, Florence, went to a wedding, and then we drove up to the Dolomites and then spent three days in the Dolomites, four-ish, and then we went to Venice. And by the time we got to Venice, we were exhausted. We spent literally, I think, maybe uh, 12 hours in Venice, a little bit more than 12 hours. And then we were like, okay, I'm exhausted, and we left. So it was a great time. Yeah, I, nice. I would go back to Venice, Let me too. ask you this. So we were over there with our, with my kids and everything last summer. One thing about Venice, very po- very popular, yes. very crowded, cruise yes. ships, regular travelers coming in. Um, someone had told us, okay, at night, people go back to their cruise ships. So yeah. the, the, the attendance goes down somewhat. But get away from the Grand Canal, get away from the touristy areas, and just get lost in all these tiny little yes. alleyways. And we did. 
And it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, it, it really was. was. It yeah. is very different at night. And that was what was nice is we purposely made sure we stayed in Venice for a night because of that. Because yeah. people were like, Venice at night, a lot of people will do a day trip, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you said, with yep. cruise trips or uh, other things like that. And so we were like, okay, like we have to return our car. And it was the best flight out. So we were like, okay, let's just stay the night in Venice. But I do wish we had maybe like two nights there. So the first night sure. we could have just been exhausted. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, since we were leaving at like 11 a.m. the next day, it okay. was like, okay, we got dinner. We had some uh, chinchete or the little pieces of bread right. with mm-hmm. all the cheese and yeah. yumminess on them. And then I was like, and I'm tired. Okay. Going to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll hit it up next time. Yeah. Yes. We'll yes. All together. Perfect. Just bring me along. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Cool. Should we get rolling? Let's do it. All, all right. right. Is this thing on? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Thank you all for joining us from wherever you get your podcasts or for those of you watching on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel. Thank you for doing so. If you hadn't hit that subscribe button, please do so. It won't cost you a trip to Italy, I promise, unless you want to sponsor our trip. We're happy to chat. Um, Also hit that little notification bell icon so you can be alerted uh, when new episodes like this very one drop. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting Miss Danielle Halsey. Do you want to go with Danny or Danielle? Whatever you want to call me. I go by either. Go with Danny. We'll do Danny. Okay, we'll do Danny. All right. Um, Welcome to the Summits Podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Why don't uh, you give your own little intro, if you would? All right. Well, I'm Danny. I'm an exercise physiologist with the uh, Indiana University Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. I hope I got all of the C's (laughs) in there. Um, And I'm the lead exercise physiologist of the MOVE program at the Simon Cancer Center. Um, About me, I'm actually born and raised in Colorado when I moved out to Indiana about, oh, I think it's about five years ago now. Um, so I surprisingly like Indiana more than I thought I would. So Thank you. Yeah. Right. yeah. Good. I think good. Yes. Well, you know, being somebody that was constantly outdoors growing yeah. up, I have found a new love for being outside out here with, because you guys got a lot of really good trails. So that is, that is a nice good. thing about Indiana. And so I'm glad I found that. But actually through moving to Indiana little bit about me. I started doing triathlons and powerlifting and kind of forced myself to do some more different types of physical activity okay. or exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but so grew up in Colorado, got my undergrad and my master's at University of Northern Colorado. Um, I have a master's in exercise physiology and I'm an ACSM, so American College of Sports Medicine certified exercise physiologist. They also have some other certifications. So I have a different certification that's called exercises medicine. I have a lot of random letters behind my name, which is exciting, but I'm also like a USAW. So USA weightlifting certified coach. And then I am a, um, uh, Amer I'm, through UNC, University of Northern Colorado. If I just say right. UNC, people, people get, get yeah. a little, little I think, confused. I think, I think Northern Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Chapel Hill, I actually did spend some time there shortly, but just okay. to help out with some research projects. Um, and then I also have a cancer exercise trainer specialist from them. So okay. lots of letters. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, personally, I really like, I love lifting heavy. I love doing triathlons and cycling and... Um, hanging out with my dog and my fiance and 
traveling. So, so I got to ask, I'm not a triathlete, yeah. but when I hear heavy lifting and triathlons, I don't think those typically, they, they typically fall don't in the same category. Yes. I'm, I'm what you would consider a hybrid athlete, but that would have to be like a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Okay. It's really cool. You can do both. And that's kind of what the recommendations are for cancer survivors too, is you got to do a little bit of both. So sure. okay. that's why I, I sometimes I'm like, I'm the perfect person. Cause I love to do both. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get into that. Um, so you describe what your current role is. Uh, if you want to go into like, kind of like what's, what's your typical day to day, you certainly can. Yeah. But I also want to know, like, how'd you get into it? Like what, was there something in your childhood growing up that said, okay, I, this is what I want to do? Yeah. Well, so I originally always thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Okay. So when yeah. I went into college, I was like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. Even did a physical therapy internship, like my senior year of high school. I was very physical therapy aware. Um, and this is a little more like, I, I think my college advisor called it hippy dippy. Um, <laughs> so but, the technical term? Yeah. Yeah. The technical <laughs> okay. term was hippy dippy. Right. Okay. Um, but... I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I don't feel smart enough to go to PT school or it was just like, it just wasn't speaking to me, quote mm. unquote. Um, and so where I went to college is University of Northern Colorado and they had one of the first cancer rehabilitation programs in the nation. Okay. Um, and essentially what had happened was I was like walking through campus one day and I came upon the cancer rehabilitation place and I kind of talked to some people there and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I want to do. And so like this was back in, I graduated. So this was like 2010, 2011. Oh, yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Well, that's well, not. It wasn't that long ago. No, yeah. It wasn't too long ago. Yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> For two of three people. Yeah. <laughs> but so at that time, exercise oncology and cancer rehabilitation, that word's hard to say yeah. today. Mm -hmm. um, it was like not a thing. So I did get my degree in exercise science and, you know, my college uh, academic advisor was like, exercise physiology and kinesiology is like a degree. Did you know that? And I was like, no. They're like, yeah, do that then. So I did that. Um, and through that program, I obviously started working at the Cancer Rehab Center. And I was like, this is amazing. I yeah. love this. Um, and I loved working there. And the patients I got to see and just the, the bond you get to have with people, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like I got to do higher level medical thinking, but I also didn't have to be a doctor. And sure. I didn't have to be a PT. I also got to use the information I knew about just general exercise and things like that. Um, so then I graduate, <clears throat> turns out there's not a job, a lot of jobs in exercise oncology at the time. And so I ended up going through and working in cardiac rehab, which is very common for exercise physiologists. And then to make a very long story short, I was offered a position at IU school of medicine and through doing, were you still in Colorado at the time? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was still in Colorado. Um, I worked in cancer or exercise rehab in Colorado. I was a sports performance coach. I was also a beer tender. I was working like four different jobs. Um, beer tender, very Colorado. That I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, and you're yeah. in Golden. I mean, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Very, or, or very, banquet. yes, banquet. A very common. Yep. Um, and so I did that. And then I was offered a position at IU School of Medicine, st helping start a clinical um, arm of an individual's lab. And through that, uh, through that person and through that PI, I ended up meeting my current boss and my old boss. Um, and they were like, hey, we're starting like this 
exercise um, study looking at exercise in adolescent young adults. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I was literally at a talk and they showed a screen and I was like, that's where I went to school. And (laughs) so I walked up to the presenter and I was like, hey, um, I, I went to school there. Like I have a degree from there and I worked at that, that cancer rehab and she was like, oh my gosh, like come help work with me. So I ended up switching to PT Monk, worked there for four years. Um, and then that study kind of closed and then Tara had reached out to me, uh, and Tara said, Hey, I'm looking to hire an exercise physiologist. Do you know anybody? And I was super happy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's funny. I was super happy in my position. I loved what I was doing. I was doing exercise and cancer survivorship and stem cell transplant and, um, studies. And so I was like, yeah, I gave her a list of people, helped her with the job description, all this stuff. And then people started applying and I was like, wait, I think I, I want to do <laughs> no, this. this. This is, this is me. Yeah. I want this. Yeah. I want this job. And so I was like, Hey Tara, I think I'm going to apply. And she was like, so, you know, if you apply, I'm going to give it to you. Right. And I was like, Oh really? And she's like, that's yeah. what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then that's how I ended up where I'm at currently was I have been lucky enough to kind of I always knew cancer rehab was something I had a really big passion for. And for some reason, it just kept bringing up in my life and coming back to me. And we kept kind of meeting along the way. And I was like, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Because I was set to go to PA school. And then Tara was like, hey, you want to work with me? And I was like, well, see you PA school. I'm going to go start a cancer rehab program for adults. (laughs) Right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Briefly, if you would tell us what does what does cancer rehab mean, and, and the reason why I ask that today, very commonplace. Twenty three years ago, when I went through, um, was not oh, not happening. No, not at they all. were just on the cusp of saying, okay, we want to we we had this pilot project of providing you know a dietitian and some psychosocial services and this that and the other and kind of bundling it together, which today is like, no no offense, like everyone has it's, it's commonplace. Yeah. Um, but 23 years ago, it wasn't. So for maybe the the average listener or viewer who maybe has not had a personal cancer experience, um, tell us a little bit about what cancer rehab means to you and what you guys are doing. Yeah. So our program specifically is a little different because cancer rehab can look different at each facility. Sure. Um, we're under what's called our supportive oncology department. And our goal is to have services for all aspects of somebody's health. Like somebody's health is not just whether or not you can get up and walk around and go down the stairs without go up the stairs without getting short of breath. Um, but so our program in supportive oncology and cancer rehab, like you said, should encompass everything, both the mental aspect, the nutritional aspect, the physical aspect. And so the move program itself has a physical therapist who's oncology certified and trained. And then they have me, Um, our exercise physiologist who has a background in oncology as well. And then what we do is if we notice through surveys and are just talking to patients or um, really it's mostly surveys and talking to patients, if we're having issues in other aspects of their life or if they're having issues in other aspects of their life, we're able to refer them out. And so cancer rehab is looking at everything that this patient has gone through or might go through and trying to, help them get to their best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's how I envision cancer rehab. And, you know, 
most people listening to this podcast know there's a lot of things that come with a cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to help eliminate what we can or just improve what we can along the way. Yeah. So what are the typical things that you guys see that you're trying to work on with a patient? One (laughs) of the big things is cancer related fatigue. Um, That's probably the most common symptom that patients will report. Um, And then just general like weakness, the ability to not really do the things that they used to be able to do. Uh, Breast cancer, you'll see a lot of brain uh, fatigue or brain fog, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just not feeling like themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably the biggest things that I'd see. And then with the exercise, it's always wild because the first few weeks, everybody will do an exercise session or two. And they're like, I was so tired after I left here. (laughs) Like I just slept on my couch. And then the next week or two later, they're like, I have a lot more energy. Like I was able to do my laundry and take my laundry basket upstairs without being winded. And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point. Like it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's been so, counterintuitive for a really long time like I don't know what your physicians might I know you said you're kind of on the cusp of when that stuff was happening but for a while it was like no you need to just lay down relax and rest and it's like mm-mm, mm-mm, nope we need you to try and do anything whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes in inactivity is the last thing that we want people to do okay. and so that's the uh the big thing of trying to be like, okay, I know you're tired. I know you're fatigued, but surprisingly this will help you. Yeah. 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 I've seen, you know, those that I've known have gone through kind of a a total mixed bag. So for me, I know that I'd have treatments on a Thursday morning. The rest of that afternoon I was wiped Friday. I just kind of felt like I was hungover Yeah, and I was pretty young. I was like, Oh yeah, I remember what this felt like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then progressively over the next two weeks, you you obviously felt better. Um, and I've had some people who just, it just wipes them out completely. And then like Stuart Scott, when he was mm-hmm. here for him, he worked out like a, yeah, I mean, he was already working out normally, but he just, he actually amped it up and we just worked out like a, a maniac. And he said for him, it was much about making him feel, feel better physically as well as yeah. up, upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Cause depression, anxiety, and like just overall mental status does seem to be another big side effect because if you think about it, it's all encompassing, right? You don't feel good. You're mm-hmm. tired. You don't feel like yourself anymore. So then you're like, oh, well, I'm now sad about all of these things. Yeah. And my medical bills, I'm so bit like there's just so many things. It's a accumulation of so many things. Um, and we we know that in even general population, if you're not going through cancer treatment, exercise has these benefits. Mm -hmm. So why would it not be beneficial for those that are going through treatment? And so it is very interesting that you brought up the fact of individuality, right? That is one of the largest things that is necessary with the cancer uh, rehab or just cancer exercise prescription in general is like patients are going to be different. And while exercise and the guidelines is everybody should be getting 150 minutes per week of moderate physical activity or 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity, that's not realistic for everybody. Like for your person who was already exercising prior, yeah, maybe 150 minutes is completely realistic. But if you were completely sedentary before, now you feel like crap and you want me to do 150 minutes, like most people would just flip you the bird and (laughs) I have to leave the room. Right. But so that's why you start with like, okay, give me five minutes. And Mm -hmm. then slowly progress from there. 
And then there's another really cool thing that I'm like amped about. So as I kind of touched on in my intro, I'm also, I have a sports performance background. I worked with elite athletes. I worked with tactical military individuals and I loved that. And so it's really fun for me to encompass all the aspects of my life. And so another big thing that's coming out is looking at periodizing people's exercise programs to their cancer regimes. Okay. And so that's another thing that you can look at is like you have program A and program B. Program A is when you're, you know, two days post chemo and you feel like a hungover 21 year old again. Mm -hmm. Or program B is when you're feeling really great and you don't have chemo for another week or two. And so that's also like a really fun thing to educate patients on because they think, and I think just general population thinks this too, like exercise is this thing. And if it's not this thing, then you're not exercising. And it's like, no, exercise is whatever you can do at this time mm-hmm. right. and what fits you and progressing it from there. Yeah. So that's yeah. a great example. So yeah, you'd brought up two things that, that kind of resonated. One was going back to Stuart again. I think he was into kickboxing and he said, yeah, now obviously I'm not going five or nine rounds. Like I might only do two if I'm not feeling that great, but I'm going to do those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. At least you're doing something. Yeah. Um, when you, when you talk to different patients, um, how many of them or like what percentage do you feel like actually end up adopting some form and, you know, get, get it that look, we know that you're not a hundred percent. Like we get that, but we just want you to do something. Yeah. That's really hard. Um, I think it's patients who obviously come in and have that accountability of somebody to be like, okay, Danny's going to be sitting at her desk waiting for me mm-hmm. are more likely to continue exercising after I'm like, you have graduated right. yeah. um, compared to those that really like go and come in, do a consultation and do things on their own. And that's not even, like I said, uh, that's not even just a cancer specific population thing. That's just yeah. a general, general population thing. But it is a lot harder for cancer patients considering they have a lot more barriers. There's a lot more time constraints. They're just just not feeling well. So I would probably say it can be 50-50, which is really hard because we know the benefits and we still have a big struggle to get people up and moving and just taking that vote for themselves. Um, And so my goal as an exercise physiologist is always to just like, take that this is what I have to be doing and fit it into what can I do to take a vote for myself and do better for myself and is realistic to my life. Yeah. Um, so it's a hard turnover, but it is very cool when you do have that patient turnover. Um, like I had a breast cancer survivor who was like, she's like, I don't exercise. I'm not an exercise person. And she graduated about three, four months ago. And she consistently still comes in and just works out on her own because like she said, she's like, I know this is good for me and I know it's Mm going to benefit me in the long run. And so it's really initiating that buy-in. Once we get that buy-in, it's, it's like, okay, like it doesn't matter if you're working out three times a week. If you're working out once a week, that's better than none. Right. Yeah. So part of our prevention platform, we talk about cancer prevention mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, some things you can do to try to yeah. reduce the the likelihood that you might be diagnosed with cancer. Granted, sometimes you're just, you win the lottery, you don't want to win. Yeah, exactly. My case in point uh, for myself, 
Um, and exercise is a big part of that. Huge so, part I mean, whether we're a cancer organization or heart health or what have you, mm-hmm. I mean, a whole lot of benefits. Yeah. Um, outside of, you know, not, not smoking and all those things. Um, so I'm curious to know, I, I think it'd be curious and, and someone's, I sure, surely someone has tracked this. If you had a hundred relatively new, newly cancer diagnosed individuals, how many of them worked out on a regular basis, uh, prior to that diagnosis? Oh, I don't, I would have to look at the study if there was one, but I mean, and obviously you'd I think down even you would probably, yeah, it would there. probably be less than half to yeah. be honest. But the thing is, is while exercise can help reduce your risk of it, it doesn't mitigate it mm-hmm. completely. So like, like yeah. you said, you can have a completely healthy individual. Like I, I worked as a, a rehab tech for a long time and we had a 61-year-old individual who was playing basketball with his kids one day, had a massive stroke the next day. Mm. He was a very active individual, but, you know, that day his card got pulled kind of thing. His, he right. pulled the wrong numbers. Um, but, yeah, and really what you see a lot of research looking at is that those who were active prior to their diagnosis are going to have better outcomes prior and during their treatment are going to have better outcomes than those who were inactive. Sure. So I think that's more where the research is at, not necessarily, okay, who was active and who got diagnosed, um, but rather like these individuals or more active people were less right. likely to I have I think I would want higher. to break that research down even further, of course, and then look at the type of cancers they were diagnosed yes, with. Yes, exactly. And say, okay, well, these types of cancers... You could be Lance Armstrong. Yep. You, if 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 you win the lottery, you get you get diagnosed. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But there are other forms of cancer where yeah. if you are more sedentary and, and don't work out, you might have a higher probability of being yeah. diagnosed with that. So yeah. And I wish I had the infographic memorized in my head, but they do have uh, ACSM has an infographic about a study that just came out that being physically active is going to reduce your risk of at least seven different types of cancer. And that's like breast cancer, prostate, lung, um, a lot of your big ones. So just Mm -hmm. being more active in general, like we said, reduces, does not remove. Right. And so that's a big thing there too. Yeah. Do you ever work with any, um, local gyms, physical therapists or things like that type of posts that are out of your care to continue, um, with any programming going forward? Um, sometimes. So one of the big programs that we see is Live Strong through YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hendricks County also has a exercise program. But mostly I will refer to friends or people that I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but really we try to keep our PT patients with our oncology trained physical therapists. But yeah. obviously if I have a patient who lives in Columbus or Bloomington yeah. or Fort Wayne, I'm not going to be like, excuse me, no, you have to drive three hours to right. see me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I try to reach out to community resources, but okay. I do provide at-home exercise programs for people cool. to do on their own. Yeah. And then when they come in, I say, okay, let's tweak that program, see yeah. what's working. Let me watch you move. What is going well? How frequently are you actually doing this exercise mm-hmm. program? Um, and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then in March, telling them to participate in Fit for Heroes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Obviously. And come, come yeah. spin, come walk. Exactly. Yes. It's perfect. Well, we kind of touched on how to improve cancer-related fatigue using exercise. That I know that was a podcast that you've done previously and talked about that. There, was there anything we didn't cover that might fit into that category that you'd want to share? I think the biggest thing is just getting up and moving. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's been shown that aerobic activity at least three times a week for 30 minutes at a moderate uh, intensity is going to be the most beneficial 
and I could share an infographic with you because it's really nice and it's a piece of education I give a lot of my patients, but it has like, okay, if you have this symptom, this is the dosage that has been shown by the research that is the most beneficial, but mo- a majority of it, it is at least three minutes, three minutes, haha, hmm. is at least three days of 30 minutes of aerobic activity right. and two times a week of some sort of strength training. And it's been seen to help improve sleep, anxiety, depression, cancer-related fatigue. And so that can, I think the big thing a lot of people get hang, hung up on is like, so what is that? And it's like, it's what you can do so if you have walking paths around you that's awesome do 30 minutes of walking if it is cycling that you enjoy doing or you have a recumbent bike and it's a hundred and million degrees outside (laughs) do the recumbent bike um if it's just walking your dog or playing with your kids for 30 minutes or chasing ducks around your pond i don't know i was trying to find out <laughs> like, like yeah i was trying to find it's an activity i do yeah. quite often <laughs> on the weekends actually trying, so, yeah. yeah trying oh, to scare off geese yeah that's me that's me yeah <laughs> trying to keep them out of my yard you yeah, know well yeah. yeah yes danger noodles are something i've heard oh no there's snakes never mind <laughs> right <laughs> but um so just trying to find what works for you if that's zumba if that's online yoga just anything that works for them and you as a human is what's going to be right and you know getting as one of my favorite peloton instructors says like getting a nice little donut glaze look going on a little breathless (laughs) getting your heart rate up is gonna be the best thing you can do and so i think we get more hung up on like this is what I have to do rather than like, what will I actually do? Um, And how much do I need to do? And like, Mm -hmm. we get very nailed down into the nitty gritty. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I always like to touch on is like 30 minutes, three times a week has been shown to help. So start there. And then if you're like, man, I love doing this, like, okay, great. Add another day. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And vary it. Yeah. To keep it exciting. So you're not doing the same thing every time. Exactly. That's why I ended up doing, powerlifting and, right. and weight and <laughs> triathlons. triathlons. Yeah. So that's the big thing I like to touch on. And um, I think it was in a talk I was listening to where like something is better than nothing. And that's another right. big thing that both ACSM says and a lot of exercise physiologists and exercise um, oncologists will talk about. It's like just doing something is better than nothing mm-hmm. um, because Again, I heard this through somebody else and I loved it. So I'm not going to say that I came up with it, but I kind of said it earlier is it's a vote for yourself. Every minute you do a little bit of exercise is a vote for yourself and your health. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, 45 minutes. It can just be five. Mm -hmm. And that is still a vote for what you want to get done and accomplish that day. So yeah, I like that vote for yourself. That's good. Yeah, it is a good. Thing. All right. Well, you know the cornerstone of the Summit's podcast is sharing your cancer stories. So, Danny, what is your cancer story? Well, it's funny because I, when I started in cancer rehab, and like you know, literally kind of just stumbled into a room of <laughs> cancer rehab. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of impact of cancer in my life. Um, now, obviously, working in cancer rehab, I have a lot. Sure. Um. But my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer when I was in college. Uh, Thankfully, he just had to have some radiation and it was pretty um, uneventful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then I've actually had a great uncle die of multiple myeloma. I have my grandma has some sort of obscure blood cancer. And then my grandfather-in-law just was recently diagnosed with cancer. So 
it's interesting because I started it because I just loved the people I worked with. And then cancer has made its prevalence in my life uh, more apparent as I've gotten older, which is pretty common. Um, But so I think that's kind of what keeps pushing me. But it's also my patients. Um, As I started working as a clinical research coordinator in Peds Hemonc, that kind of solidified that I wanted to stay in this field um, because, you know, kids, they didn't, they didn't sign up for this. And mm-hmm. so to watch these little fighters just, they have, they have no like reprieve. They will be like, I'm going to keep going. You watch me. And so <laughs> I think yeah. that's really what solidified like, okay, like they feel like crap and they're still working out and mm-hmm. having a great time and showing up every day. So why can't, I just continue to be there for them. So I think that was the big thing that kind of keeps me going is yeah. I'll just all my patients. And then sadly I have been impacted, but I'm, that's a majority of people at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's great. The, I the watching the kids uh, that go through what they have to go through um, and how resilient they are. It's wild. Is, it's, it's not only inspiring, um, but it also, I don't know. It, it, it's a testament to just their their thought process, yeah. mm-hmm. and so there's something to be learned there for sure. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's very interesting now. Like it just it keeps me going because now, so I'm 31 now, and I have a patient who was diagnosed at 30 as well. And so I think that's the other thing that now keeps me, as I see myself and my patients a yeah. lot more now. I'm like, oh, like before it was like, oh, you're a 65 year old, and I'm a 21 year old who was just out at the bars last night and now I'm training you to be like exercise and now I'm like oh you are a 30 year old and I am 31 like we are at the same point in life and Mm -hmm. so if I can do anything to help benefit somebody who's on the same page as me why wouldn't I be there for them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well, great. Well, um, number one, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for choosing Indy. Um, we also <laughs> appreciate that. And thank you for your time for coming in today and, of and sharing. Of course. Of yeah, course. Thank you. Time. Yeah. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll line up that next uh, the, the next, next remote yeah. podcast. Yeah. Okay, year, but maybe. so on Tara's podcast, you asked her if she had any questions for you guys. Oh, oh well, oh, we were trying to. Okay, oh, crap. She All actually right. watched it. I did. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I have a. I don't have a tough question. So every week I ask my patients. A question of the week. And this week was pretty boring, so we'll still ask it anyways. What is your favorite memory of the summer so far? Of this summer? Mm-hmm. Mm. You go first. Well, I think. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have to cut. Um, I know. I, I just like, the... yeah, we're going to have to cut down my thinking. Um, I'd say, uh, so um, I have two-year-old twins, and so oh we just goodness. did their birthday party last week or a week and a half ago and so we did it at our house um so that was probably the top one of uh, of it it was pretty fun to get everybody together have them run around the backyard and everything like that so yeah that is a good got them golf clubs oh no so i got them working out that and i got (laughs) and i've got soccer ball so they've got a goal and they've got golf clubs so Two I sports feel like are, golf clubs are good. Would be dangerous. I just see a two-year-old like running around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my son has turned them into weapons a couple of times. So, yeah. but he's he's hitting at the ball. So is Emery. That's good. So we're good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. All right. I don't. What stands out to me, I think, is so having gone through last year with the with our twins, our oldest had done their freshman year in college, oh, and gosh. it was it was it was 
adjusting to the new normal. So like all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're gone and our youngest is probably gone than more than she's at home. And there was a Friday night. It's like, okay, so what's going on tonight? Nothing. And it was just like, well, shit, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> that was your just, favorite memory? It's like memory an empty house. Well, so my favorite memory of the summer is now them all coming home. Oh. And it's like, you know, the band's back together to some extent. Of course, they would rather be out with their friends and doing yeah. other stuff. But, and all their crap that came home <laughs> that just sat there for Why four months before they took it back. five sets of twin bed sheets? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's another podcast where you're going to move them out of college and you're pulling stuff out from under the bed and it's still in its unopened box. I'm like, why the hell did I buy this in the first place? <laughs> but that's anyway, nice. now they're all back and it's it's quiet again. Okay. Yeah. So. And then I'm going to ask one more question yeah. of the week. What is your favorite treat? I did say sweet treat, oh. but then some people don't like, treat, like, like sweet treats. So what is your... Mm sweet treat like if it's at the gas station or at the grocery store you're like i gotta buy it your ears are burning so last night our youngest plays volleyball was leaving here Ooh. to go to volleyball, her volleyball game and i want to get something to drink so i stopped by a convenience store picked up a smart water and a uh, celsius um <laughs> and as i'm standing in line of course you know, they put the little displays by checkout and one of them caught my eye i have, I have, a, I have a pretty bad sweet tooth uh, numerous things i don't always go to the same thing but Sour Patch Kids. I was like, Ooh. oh my God, that sounds awesome. So yes. I'm not supposed to, but I grabbed a bag. and. Well, know. we'll talk about not supposed to at another yeah. time. That's yeah. another podcast. There's no um, way to fit. <laughs> uh, Kit Kats. Ooh, mm. that's like, if you see it, that's you're good. like, mm-hmm. gotta get it. Yeah, but they have to be frozen. I like to put them in the freezer. Do you yeah, do that with your good. Oreos too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Any really? candy bars really we can stay frozen. Girl Scouts, yeah. Thin Mints are yes. freezer oh, bound wow. for sure. Great. Yeah. You are my people. Um, yeah. Mine are Peach O's. Peach <laughs> Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are a guilty pleasure that I'm like, if I see them at, maybe I should just change the question to like, what's your gas station? Yeah, there we pleasure? go. There yeah. you Convenience store pickup. Yeah. Well, Let's hope it's not sushi. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, thank you. See, but now you have a question you can use every time. What's your gas station guilty pleasure? There we go. I like it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Or one more sponsored by Celsius. Like, What's your favorite Celsius? What's your, what's your favorite brand of Celsius? Oh, you've never had it? We have like 20 of them in the middle of the, of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plugs. Yes. All right. Well, awesome. thanks again for coming in. Yeah, we appreciate you. you taking the time. This is so fun. And we're, we're happy to support what you guys are doing and yep. hope yes. to continue doing we, so. Thank you so much because all of our equipment and my time is so appreciated. Trust me. Well, <laughs> and people always walk in and they're like, this is so nice. And I was like, I know. I got to help build it. Cool. <laughs> so without you guys, uh, you wouldn't help change a lot of people's lives. So. Well, we're happy to do it and, and happy to, to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank all you guys for tuning into this episode of the Summits Podcast. From wherever you guys get your podcasts or if you're watching on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. Again, hit that little notification bell icon so you can be alerted when episodes like this one drop. And hit the little subscribe button and give it a little thumbs up or comment. You know, if you don't like us, tell us why. We're happy to understand what's going on. We got thick skin. Yeah. Well, we'll be maybe. Like, that Danny maybe. girl's real weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. <laughs> comment on that too if you want. Until then, don't forget, beat cancer. <laughs>